Praise God. That's for the youth and the mission team. All through the night, all, while you're wide awake. Go ahead, you may be seated. I'm sorry. We're going to let it shine, aren't we? I picked that song just for you guys. I once belonged to a group of folks that uh, was eight pastors. And um, it was when they first started years and years ago that bishops thought that we should get together as a cluster group of churches around us. And, um, and um, we'd get together and talk about issues in life and everything. Well, they failed miserably, but, but um, it was a good thought. But I belonged to this group where there was um, several liberal pastors in our group, extremely liberal. And so we always sort of butted heads. I, finally, I just quit going because uh, I didn't want to argue anymore, you know, and talk about things that they wanted to talk about. But we, for a while, they, uh, almost a year, we studied this book, and it was called, uh, um, the title of it was Breaking the 200-Member on Sunday Morning Barrier. And I think it was one of the last times I was there, I finally looked at them and I said, this is the dumbest book in the world. I didn't, have, I didn't know how to make, you know, I didn't read that book on how to, how to make people like you. Um, but I said, uh, I said, it's the dumbest book in the world because all they're talking about is how to do something on Sunday morning. Now, I'm telling you, friends, that's not what we're about. I hope you know that. Sunday morning is, is, um, is, uh, is the time we come and celebrate just what God has done all week for us. And so that means that we're in ministry all week. So the guy said to me, he said, one guy said to me who was... Um, Never mind. He was just a great guy. He said to me, he says, well, how many do you have coming to your church? After I explained to him that Sunday morning wasn't it, I was looking to get a thousand people in the church throughout the week. Okay? That's not a bad goal, is it? He he looked at me snidely and he says, well, how many do you have coming? And I said, well, we've broken a thousand a couple times. That was the end of that, you know. But I wanted it to be permanent. I wanted it to, I said, the only thing that we don't do is Thursday night the church is op- open for anybody that would want to come because there's nothing going on. And they said, well, tell us about everything that's going on. And, well, at that time we had like 500 coming on Friday night to Bluegrass, of all things, Bluegrass. And he says, oh, you're that church. I said, yeah, we are. Praise God. And we had over 100 Boy Scouts. Can you imagine? 100 Boy Scouts. We had the biggest Boy Scout uh, members there in this group, they, in this uh, area of uh, Ohio. Um, they did all the things, and all the big trips, you know, and all this stuff. They tore the church up, put holes in the walls, you know, and broke things, and it was fantastic. We, we had a, a girls' volleyball thing that came on, on Tuesday night, and... We had volleyball court in the church, and, and they would play volleyball, and there would be 50 or 60 of them. Wednesday night, we'd have 20 or 30 people coming for Bible study and praise team practice. It was a great church. It was a great church. We're a great church, too. I want you to know that. We're going to talk about that as we go through this time. And I thought to myself, what's the difference between a great church and a successful church? And I've been fighting that battle for about 35 years. And I think it's in the scripture that we see the difference between a great church and a successful church. By the way, I don't want to be a successful church. Let's read this scripture. It goes like this. 
All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in uh, meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Um, They sold their properties and their possessions and and shared the money with those in need. Um, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So much in that scripture, I wish we could just sit here for a couple of days and digest it. But I want you to know this is the word of God for all of his people. Thanks be to God. Mm. I want us to uh, look at this this morning and, um, and uh, understand, um, first of all, what a successful church is. Do you, you all know what a successful church is, don't you? A successful church is one that has lots and lots of people coming. Lots and lots of people. They have big buildings. They're all functional. They have plenty of parking. They have a family life center. Shoot, we got that. They have a great worship band. You know, that perform. Never mind, I won't go there. Um, They have a talented drama team that does something every month. Um, They have a a youth group that makes this one look small. Uh, um, They have tons of little kids running around. They have a dynamic preacher. And last but not least, they have a championship, championship caliber softball team. None of them go to church, but they still go and play ball. Did you ever hear about that? Yeah, they told us we couldn't play anymore because we all belong to the church. And so nobody could do anything. And he, they said to hit it to the second basement. That was me. Because I couldn't do anything. You know, the ball would come, and then I would go to catch it, but it already went by. It was really strange. If you was to diagnose a, a church under those things, you would call it successful. And I want you to know there's nothing wrong with that. I've been in those churches. I've served in those churches. But I want you to know that there's two very important things to remember this morning as we talk about this. First of all, all these things that I just mentioned and the many more things do not in themselves make a church great. They might be successful, but they're not great. And second, I want you to know this, that there are tens of thousands of great churches throughout this United States and the world that will never have most of those items that I just mentioned to you, but they are a great church. I've only written one letter to a bishop and our district superintendent and told him I disagree with what they say. One time in all these years I wrote a letter. And the letter that the bishop had put out that day that I wrote back to him and, and sort of scolded him. I wrote back and the, the letter that they sent out, they sent out this great big diploma or whatever, you know, saying that you were, uh, paid your apportionments 100%. And the bishop in the letter said this, I want to thank 
all the churches who kept their faith this year by paying 100% in their apportionments. Our church had paid 100%. That wasn't the deal. But what I thought was, okay, Bishop, so what you're saying, only those who paid 100% were a successful church, were a great church, who had faith. And I wrote the bishop back, and I said, I have a lot of churches around me that didn't pay the 100% that are keeping the faith, contrary to your thought. And I sent it to the district superintendent so he wouldn't be blindsided. And the bishop wrote me back and said, I didn't mean it to sound that way, but it does, doesn't it? You see, friends, it's, we, have, we have a, a tendency to want successful churches instead of great churches. It, it's not the fact that we, you have a lot of money, a lot of people, a big location, a nice location, uh, and pay thousands of dollars just for a marketing real, reality that is going to make us be a great church. It's much more than that. And I think this scripture tells us today, and if you want to listen to it, and if you're going to write down notes um, here at home or, or here or at home, it's three W's. I'm going to share three W's with you that I think make a great church like the first church was. That first church in, in, um, in the first century uh, of Christ, okay, of the, of the church being born. There are, there are, these are W's are the things that will help us uh, attain that status, I think, of being a great church, which in turn makes us a successful church. Here's the first one. The first W is we need to be concerned about what matters. What matters. In Luke chapter um, um, 2, verse 42, he says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You need to grab a hold of that. We need to grab a hold of this right now. What matters in our life? You know, I, 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 I want you to know that, that we have changed as a society, haven't we? Come on, friends, we have. Uh, I see pictures of this church when there was 40 and 50 kids. And um, somebody told me, how many kids did you have in vacation Bible school one time? 80 kids? You know what I mean? Now you're lucky to get 10, 20, not just here, but the Baptist church, every church is doing sun, vacation Sunday school. Unless you're giving away a bike and give it to the one who brings the most kids in, you're not going to have any kids come. If you really want to get kids to come, give them a, a moped. You don't know what a moped is, do you, anybody? Okay. Well, he mentions four things here, Peter does. He talks about if we want to know what matters, it's the teaching. Now, they didn't have Bibles at that point, but they had the people who walked around with Jesus for all those years. Three years. Can you imagine all that they would be telling him and telling them and teaching them about what it means to be a Christian? I think we are there, but we need to be more of a church of God's word. If we want to be that church that is great, we need to be focused on, found, our foundation needs to be um, focused in on the word. It's Psalm 27.4. I think you've heard it so many times, but I need to give it to you again. The one thing I desire, the one thing I want more than anything else in this life. Amen? Desire and want has left 
most of the Christian church today. Most of the Christian church today. We have forgotten that God's word is the wisdom that we need to seek. We have forgotten that God's power is is available for us even when we're weak. We have forgotten that God's word is encouragement for us every time we're discouraged. We don't go to God's word. We go to, you know, getting our yard looking better. We go to ball games. We go to this and we go to that, you know. But we don't go to God's word. We have forgotten that God's word is a hope for those that are on the brink of despair. And that God's word is life for those of us that are struggling to hold on to it. We have forgotten that. Our Bibles, when I do the confirmation class, I told you this, when I do the confirmation class, I send them home the first night after we have our meeting, and I said, go home and count all your red Bibles. Remember that, kids? They came back, we have no red Bibles. We had some blue ones. And I said, no, 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 not red, R-E-D. And then I explained to them, go home and see how many red Bibles, R-E-A-D, you have. We need to devote ourselves to God's word. Hopefully you need somebody that's preaching it from the pulpit every Sunday. We need to teach them that on our Sunday school classes that we need to get back together, don't we? We need to sing it in our worship songs, God's word. We need to memorize it. Memorize and put it in our hearts so that we know we won't sin against God. We need to live it every day of our lives. The one thing I desire, the one thing I seek is to be in the presence of God every day of my life, to sit at his feet and to behold his beauty. The second thing they did under what matters is they broke bread every time they got together. John Wesley was a fan of that. I'm a fan of that, but it's impossible for us to do today. So we're thank- I'm thankful that we do it um, once a month. And for some people, they think that's too much. I think we should do it every time two or three are together. Amen? Uh, you know, you, it's difficult. It all becomes a ritual. No, it becomes, it's a, it's a reminder. Reminder what that bread and that juice stand for, the body and blood of Christ broken for us. That's important things. And then the thing that I think he shared best was the prayer time. We need, we need to take time to pray more than we do. But if we're not reading God's word, I'm going to tell you the only time we pray is when we desperately have need and have no place else to go. Okay, God, why would you do this to me? <laughs> he didn't. Amen? Yeah, I went on a mission trip so many times, and, uh, and I had these 10, 11 people that I could call up. If I called them up tonight they said, and said, can we go to someplace tomorrow morning? They would be here tomorrow morning with their trucks loaded. Trucks loaded and people would drive together. We had, we had such a great team. And one of them was a devout Mennonite. And he actually, his church, the only church that he knew he could really join as a Mennonite was in Pennsylvania. So he would drive something like two hours every, he lived in East Liverpool, he would drive two hours every Sunday to go to his Mennonite worship church. And I thought, oh my, that's so cool. And I would always ask him at least once as we came home, as we came home from um, our time out working, we would come home and have prayer and talk about what God did that day. And uh, I would always ask him to pray one time. 
And so one time I asked him to do that, and, uh, and I said, Steve, will you, will you pray for us? And he said, I sure will. And so he said, let's bow our heads, and, and everybody bowed their head. And there was about 18 of us there, I think, at that time, and Hurricane Sandy. And, and um, he said, let's pray. And then he didn't say a word. You know, in a Mennonite church, they don't pray out loud. They don't try to out-pray each other, you know. They don't pray out loud. And one night that I did that, there was a young lady that was with us, a young mother that uh, hadn't been with us before, and I should have explained to her what was, what was going to happen, but I didn't. So about ten minutes into the prayer, she came up and tapped me on the shoulder, and she said, I don't think Steve heard you ask him to pray. <laughs> I said, oh, honey, I'm sorry. We are praying. We are praying. She said, we are? I said, yeah, it's, it's a silent prayer. Oh, I've never done that. So he heard it, and he, he uh, finished his prayer time up. And he said, he explained to everybody again how they do prayer in their, in their, in their worship service. Um, oh, I got another story. You want to hear another story real quick? We got time. Um, I was in Haiti one time. And uh, we were living in this really nice, it was a nice house for them, a really nice house. And, uh, and, and in Haiti, if you walk by a dog in the middle of the day, you kick it. Because that dog's sleeping, Okay. You know why you kick it? Because he's sleeping because he's been up all night yelling and screaming. You know, and fighting with other dogs. So we always walk by, get up, get up. <laughs> Stupid dogs. <laughs> well, I was, I was there one morning and, and the leader of that team said to me, the leader of the um, uh, fellowship and the prayer time said, would you pray for us this morning, Pastor? And I said, sure. So just as I started to pray, we were on a porch, a veranda. And just as I started to pray, there was a chicken Right over the, right over the, right on the ground, over, over, over the railing, you know? And that chicken decided to lay an egg right then. And it was a square egg. I mean, she was screaming. She was having a fit. I said, let's pray. <laughs> and that chicken started laying that egg, and I didn't say anything for about 10 minutes. And I said, thank you, Lord. Amen. And the next night, the next night, somebody said, of all the mission trips I've been on and all the times we've been praying for everything, yesterday morning was the best. I thought, my goodness, I thought it was great too. God's creation right in front of us, laying an egg. She must have been, you know, it must have been a bad time. What matters, you know? What matters? Being in the Word, taking communion, having having that time of prayer. We need to do more prayer, my friends, where we don't do anything else than, than that and understand that God wants us to be still and know that he is God. Amen? Gosh, that will make us a great church. Wow. I have another story, but it's too long. I can't tell you. <laughs> it just came to my mind, too. Uh, the second thing that I think is important in this scripture that we read is who matters. In our day and age today, that's a powerful thing, isn't it? Who matters? We're running around with li- black lives matter, right? Green lives matter. Um, um, Oriental eyes matter. Whatever it is you want to say, um, uh, everybody says they matter. Unfortunately, I want you to know when we're talking about this faith in Christ, this being the church that is, is a great church, successful churches have those different uh, venues 
of this church, this group matters, and this group matters, and that group matters, and it's all about them. If we really are, listen to it in verse 44, all those who had believed were together. All those who had believed. It doesn't say some of them. It says all of them who believed. And all, and, and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them everything, as many might have need. Um, now, it wasn't to build a new sanctuary. Okay, it wasn't to repair an old building. They didn't give money for that. These were people who couldn't afford food. They were sharing that with each other. In other words, what they said is, is, as new Christians, and we in this generation need this word today, I think. It's not about me. It's not about you. Who's it about? Come on. Who's it about? Us. All of us. Black, green, orange, it doesn't matter what you are, young, old. It doesn't matter if you can drive or you can't drive. It doesn't matter anything about what you've given, what you've done, what you're going to do. What matters is that we are all together because of Christ. That's what makes a great church. When we come together and take advantage of being a community, bearing one another's burdens, bearing one another's burdens, um, uh, doing nothing out of selfish. Uh, Desire in our own life, but helping our brothers and sisters along the way. We all matter. Jesus said, said it this way when he said that we all matter. He said, a new commandment I give to you. A new commandment I give to you, that you are to love one another. Why? Right? We ought to ask why every time he says that. We ought to ask why. He says, then he says, why? Because if you love one another and get away from me and you, and having us, then the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's a difficult, difficult world we live in today to be that church that understands that it's not anything about me. It's not anything about somebody else. It's about us. That's what matters. That's what, um, who matters that makes us to be that um, great church and not successful. Amen? Let me give you the last one real quick. Who matters, what matters, and when matters. I just thought this was so powerful. Listen to it in verse 42. And they were continually, when? Continually devoting themselves. Verse 43. And everyone kept, when? Feeling, everybody kept feeling a sense of awe. And when? When all the believers, in verse 44, met together constantly. And then in verse 46, and day by day, they did what? Continued. Continued and became that church. Um, that's why I, I hold on to Psalm 27.4. It tells us, it tells us, if we listen to the scripture closely, it tells us they didn't do church just on the Sabbath. They didn't do church. We don't do church just on Sunday. Doing church on Sunday is, where, is like playing the football game or the baseball game or the basketball game. You've practiced all week. All week so you can play that game. we practice all week so we can come in here and worship God with everything that we have. And everything that we are and everything that we should be. And to do that, we need to be together every morning at 10 o'clock. That was a great thing that came out of the COVID crap. Oh, I didn't say that, did I? 
the COVID stuff. It was a great thing that came out of there. You know, a great thing came out that we are doing, Fred's doing a great ministry back there um, to help people watch this service throughout the week. It's an amazing thing that some, sometimes 400 people watch this. You know, and, and uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, I look at it at night, and 150 people have watched it. And I'm thinking, why? I wouldn't watch it. It's boring. But God touches people's hearts, doesn't he? If we get out of, out of the sense that we only do this on Sunday morning, 200 people. I don't want to break 200 people. I am, I'm telling you that right now. I want us to break, let's do a realistic number. Let's do 500. I want us to break 500 this week. So if you get together with anybody, you guys, you guys will blow us out of the water. If you get together this week with anything, send it to me, will you? Text me. Hey, we got together and had a time of conversation. We got together and went golfing. We got together and went, what do you do, bowling? No. Roller skating. All right. We went together and, and, um, and uh, you know, did something together. Text me that, will you? And let's see if we can't get 500 people. 500 people doing something together as family. Not us and them, but we. My goodness, friends, church is more than one day a week. If we want to be that great church, we need to spend time together as often as we can. Psalm 27, for the desire, the want that I have in my life, the desire, you know, the want that I have in my life is to do nothing but be in the house of the Lord every Sunday. It doesn't say that. Every day of my life, every day of my life, set at his feet and behold his beauty and hear him teach me. My goodness. I don't know what the limits of any church can be. I've served in those churches that were associated with success. And I prayed every time I left them that we became more focused in on being a great church than being successful. Because what matters is more important than being successful. And who matters is much more important. And when matters more than being successful. And to be a great church means that we need to do this. Let me throw this last thing in at you. Being a great church means that we need to do this be more than welcome to anybody that walks in this building. Amen? Anybody. All, all of the church in that first century were welcomed. We need to keep that today. It all ties into these kids taking off with these adults on this trip. They're going to do everything that we just talked about this week. They're going to find out it's not about them. Amen? <laughs> They're going to find out that it's about um, who matters and when they do it. Stacy, why don't you come up and share with us just about where you're going and what you're going to do real quick, if you can. <laughs>